Would you like to be seated? And Angie is going to come up and read to us. Thank you. There are two readings this morning. The first one is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What would you like me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The second reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Thanks, Angie. Shall we pray together? So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So I wonder how many of you here were at the church quiz last night. (laughs) You were not robbed. Well, a few of you. Now there's nothing that me and Julia love more than a good quiz. Uh, And particularly a good quiz show on the telly. Eggheads, pointless, a question of sport, mastermind, university challenge, only connect... The list goes on. We love to test our knowledge and see if we can answer the most obscure of questions. Now, I'm not quite sure whether we as a culture have been conditioned by quiz shows and the need to answer questions quickly. But it does seem to me that as a people, we're all too ready to jump in with an answer or a view or an opinion about something, often even before someone's finished asking us a question. We're all too ready to speak, using the time another person is speaking to work out, what do I want to say next? This is my moment to figure out, what am I going to say whilst they're talking to me? Uh, Time and again you hear this on the TV, don't you? You hear a politician or a sports star or a sports coach being interviewed. And the answer to the question that they give has got nothing to do with the question that was asked them. It's more to do with the question they would rather have been asked by the other person. But it's just their opportunity to say what they want to say. I sometimes wonder whether we're losing the art of conversation. And we simply use talking to someone else as an opportunity or perhaps even an excuse to say what we want to say. To say what is on my mind, to express my view or my opinion, whether it was asked for or not. Rather than finding out about the story of the person that I'm supposedly in conversation with. So my question to you this morning is, how good are you at asking questions? And maybe a subsequent question, how good are you at responding to questions when you're asked? I suspect there are a good number of you that may be able to remember the famous Jeremy Paxman Newsnight interview with Michael Howard back in May 1997. 
And Jeremy Paxman asked the same question 12 times. Did you threaten to overrule him? That was the question he asked Michael Howard 12 times. It's perhaps the interview that became the high watermark in the style of persistent, robust, cordial interviewing technique. Well, today in this sermon, we're going to take a look at someone who likes to ask questions. Now, back to my original question that I posed you earlier in the service. How many questions do you think Jesus asked in the New Testament? Well, Nigel was exactly right. 307 is the answer. I'm not sure whether he's been looking at my notes or Googling, (laughs) or whether he just has happened to know that that is the answer. Jesus asked questions constantly throughout his ministry. And just as importantly, Jesus didn't always give the answers that perhaps might have been expected or even necessarily an answer to the question that was being asked. Now that might seem a bit of a startling revelation. Because most of us like answers. We like something to be taped down, to know what the answer to a question is. We like to know where we are. We all like having right answers. We like having the only answer. Something that's black and white. But Jesus was not an answer guy who roamed the countryside of his day, living out copious amounts of giving out copious amounts of information. In fact, Jesus was a storyteller in the classic Jewish rabbinical tradition where he would often ask questions and then tell a story. And his questions encouraged a deeper thought and engagement with what was being said. He often asked question, answered questions with another question. Jesus used these two powerful tools, the art of telling a good story and the art of asking a good question. And so this week we're going to be focusing on questions. And next week, we're going to focus on story. You see, over the last three weeks, we've been exploring exploring practices that enable us to develop a faith-sharing culture. In the first week, we are looking at experiencing the embrace of the Father. Last week, we were praying for people to become Christians. This week, we're thinking about the practice of asking good questions. You see, faith conversations don't need to be awkward. You don't have to be an expert on the Bible or a great theologian for God to be able to use you. You don't need to know how to answer every question that is posed to you. But you can use questions to help share the good news of who Jesus is. It was one of the, it was one of the ways 
that Jesus and Paul shared the good news of salvation. Jesus asks many more questions than he is asked. And in the four Gospels, Jesus asked 307 different questions. In contrast, he directly answers only four of the 183 questions that he has asked. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus doesn't give a black and white answer to all the questions that he is asked. And on at least one occasion, he does not know the answer to a question addressed to him. In Mark 13, when asked by his disciples about when the signs of the end of the age will appear, he doesn't know the answer. Jesus begins and ends his life with questions. You might recall that when his, uh, when his family go to, the, to Jerusalem for the Passover, and he stays behind in the temple and the family start making their way back home, and they suddenly realise that Jesus is lost, his parents come looking for him. And he says to them, why are you looking for me? I'm going to be in my father's house. When he's dying on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus asks questions that can easily be answered. In Matthew 5, he asks, how can salt be made salty again? Well, it can't. And he questions, and he asks questions with no obvious answer. To the rich young ruler, he says, why do you call me good? And he answers questions with another question. Perhaps it was to drive home a point. I'm not sure. In Luke 7, he tells the story of two men who owed a money lender money. One owed 50 denarii, the other owed 500 denarii. Neither could pay back the money to the lender, so he cancelled the debt. And then Jesus poses the question, which of them will love him more? Or perhaps it's to expose the duplicity of the people that are questioning him. Remember when the Pharisees and Herodians asked Jesus, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? To which Jesus replies, why are you trying to trap me? You see, Jesus uses questions to help engage the people in understanding and going deeper into what he's saying, why he's there. A classic Jesus encounter is recorded in Luke 10. A Jewish scholar approached Jesus and asked him how he could obtain eternal life. Jesus replied by asking the man how he would answer the question based on his reading of the Old Testament. We saw that in our first reading. And the man quotes Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And he says, we need to love God with our whole being and love our neighbour as much as we love ourselves. It's almost as if Jesus then verbally pats the man on the back for his accurate answer and then told him to go live it out. But the man wasn't satisfied with the answer that Jesus gave. And he asked Jesus for a definition of 
well, who is my neighbour? And so Jesus then proceeds to tell the story. The story that we all know as the Good Samaritan. As the tale went on, Jesus shocked his audience by making a Samaritan, a member of the hated neighbouring people group, the very hero of the story. And then as his parable reaches the high point, Jesus resisted the temptation to launch into a passionate explanation of what he was trying to say, and instead he simply asks a question. Who was a neighbour to the injured man? Ultimately, Jesus answers the question with another question. It was a question with only one answer, and the scholar was forced to acknowledge that the Samaritan was the most neighbourly character in the story. He was essentially admitting that righteousness isn't about what we know up here, but it's about what we live out here. One assumes that was quite a bitter pill for a biblical scholar to swallow. So now I'd like you to just think for a moment or two about people who make you feel loved. What about them makes you feel this way? Now, without knowing you or them, I can almost guarantee that they ask good questions, but perhaps more importantly, they listen well. It has been said that being heard is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. Show me a person who asks questions and listens and I'll show you a person who makes people feel known and loved. Sadly, I think this is becoming an increasingly rare gift. Uh, Stephen Covey has written, most people don't listen with the intent to understand, They, they listen with the intent to reply. In other words, Most people don't actually listen. They wait till it's their opportunity to speak. They wait for you to stop talking so they can say what's on their mind. Now some of this may be a matter of attention span. Perhaps increasingly uh, our children and our children's children are being trained by short videos on social media. So minds wander perhaps more quickly. But at a deeper level, most people are simply more interested in what they have to say than in what the other person has to say. So this makes asking questions and actively listening to the person in front of you one of the rarest and perhaps, dare I say it, most powerful ways to communicate love. And when we bless others by asking good questions and listening well, we're reflecting the very character of God. 
So in Jesus' ministry, he uses questions to engage his audience and bring them into the process of his ministry. In our other Gospel reading in Mark 10 today, we find Jesus on a normal day, travelling about the countryside, passing through Jericho, when he's called, when someone calls his attention and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now the crowd around him isn't pleased and they try to shush the man, try to make him be quiet, go back into his box, keep out of the way, don't interrupt the teacher, be quiet. But Jesus does exactly what we've been talking about with heart, mind and body. He values this man. He stops walking and he calls to the man who called out to him. He stops, he's prepared to listen and he opens the conversation with the blind man with the most incredible question. What would you have me do for you? Now that seems to me to be fairly astonishing. Jesus, the Son of God, is asking someone what they would like him to do for them. It's a really beautiful scene. Jesus stops. He gives this man his attention. He listens to what he's saying. He doesn't make any assumptions about the situation, but he simply invites the man to speak. Now, I'm sure that Jesus could have known what was up. We're often told in Scripture that Jesus knows something through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Jesus could have used what I suppose some of us might label as common sense. If he can see by the way the person is moving, he might get clues to the fact that this is a visually impaired man. And so therefore he may he could easily assume that the thing that this person wants is simply to be healed of his blindness. But do you notice that Jesus stops, he talks, he asks a question and then he waits to listen to what he has to say. Not assuming that he knows what this blind man might want from him. What do you want? Jesus asks of him. Now it might seem like a small thing, but I think this is pretty huge. Jesus is showing a caring curiosity for the man and his situation. What is it exactly that he's wanting at this moment in time? And I think that we see this often in Jesus' interactions with people in the Gospels. Asking questions which brings him closer to the people. Engaging them in conversation. Getting to know and understand a person in their situation. Getting people thinking about the things that he's saying, the teaching that he's delivering. Do you remember when the woman sneaks up in the crowd to touch the cloak, hem of Jesus' cloak, so that she could be healed from her bleeding? And Jesus stops, 
in a crowd with lots of people and he asked the question, who touched me? Well, that's a crazy thing to be asking. In a place where there's a crowd where people are pushing in, any number of people could have been touching him. Is it because he doesn't know who has touched him? Or does he want the woman to know that he knows and approves of what she has done? Does he want her to own her actions and understand that in her faith, and not by some magical power, she has been saved and made well? What we know from the Gospel story is that Jesus finds and speaks with the woman. How valuing and validating that must have been for her to have been noticed, to have been seen, to have been spoken to directly, to have been heard. I think it can be tempting for us as Christians to spend time attempting to give answers, perhaps even to questions that no one is even asking. And in all of this, we can remain deaf to what's actually going, in, going on in the people around us. But you see, Jesus' approach is radically different. In inviting all and sundry to live in God's kingdom, Jesus is acutely aware of what's going on around him, and he asks questions accordingly. Jesus uses questions to confer dignity on people to initiate conversation and to lead people into a deeper knowledge of who he is, of who God is, of what God is doing. Jesus opens up the possibility of a new world for those with eyes to see. Jesus' masterful use of questions brings people closer to himself so that he might engage with them, so that he might develop a relationship with them and to encourage them into thinking more deeply about the issues with which he's speaking. So I think if we're to be authentic disciples of Jesus, asking good questions seems like an important practice for us to develop. Let's not assume that we know what's going on in the life of the person with whom we've met and are talking with. Let's not assume that we know what we think they need. Let's not assume that we think we know the questions that they're asking or the issues that they're struggling with. But let's follow Jesus' example by asking good questions. Let's engage with people by finding out their story and listening to what they've got to say. Because when we listen, we're saying you're important, you're valuable, what you have to say is worthwhile me taking the time to listen. When people are heard, they feel loved. So let's learn to ask good questions. Let's learn to listen to the response that people give. And my encouragement to us today is, as I wind things up now, is to encourage you to think about what questions 
could you ask of those that are on your front line today, tomorrow, next week? What are good questions that you could ask that would open up conversation and opportunity for you to find out what's going on in the life of your work colleague, your neighbour, the person you meet down at the gym? Perhaps a good place to start is using one of Jesus' questions from the Gospels. One of the questions he asks Simon Peter is, what do you think? Or, who do you think I am? I have a friend of mine who asks, or has three questions that are kind of in his bank of questions to ask people. And they are these. Who are you? Where are you? And he's primarily thinking of where are you with God? Uh, And why don't you take this step? Who are you? Where are you? Why don't you? Questions that are fairly general, that could open up conversations and the ability or the possibility to talk about the nature of who God is or have people engage with him. Do they know him? Do they understand anything about him? Do they have any re- does he have any relevance in their life or not? The practice of asking good questions and learning to listen well is something that we see in the life of Jesus. And as we seek to grow in our confidence of developing a face-sharing culture, I want to encourage you to be people that think about the kind of questions that you ask people. And it might be that after today you go home and you simply write down some questions that you might then potentially use next week, next month. Questions that would open up conversations with friends or work colleagues. I'm going to close us in prayer now, so let's just pause for a moment or two. Father God, we thank you for Jesus and his example and his role, being a role model to each of us here. Thank you that as a teacher he was one that shared good stories and asked great questions. Pray that you would give us confidence to ask good questions of our friends and neighbours. And I pray, Lord, that you might use those as opportunities for us to engage deeply to show love and care to those around us. And would you keep us alert to opportunities where we can talk of who you are and your love for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.